cry no more with the hilarious remakes from Better Buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello. And Batman. Ugh, I'm the Dark Knight. Gotham. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, like, what is the, uh... Uh, well, I guess he doesn't really talk like that anymore, because he's he's Mr. Pattinson now. Uh, So Pattinson kind of does something like that. He's... He does like an in between, right? He's he, like he's, he's a little bit more of like uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, just it's still like husky. a little lower, a little deeper, yeah. but also just trying not to talk. It's like yeah, this is this is I fuck hard, <laughs> but I Do you don't eat out. DC Comics clearly cheap... established. I don't reciprocate. Did they really? Was yeah, that, like, you didn't hear about that? No. Okay, Batman so didn't... did you hear about the Harley Quinn animated series? Like, you heard about that, right? Yes, I did. They wanted to do a scene of Batman going down on Catwoman, and Warner Bros. execs nixed it. Be- uh. And they're, they're like, wait, so and the, the creator's like, so wait, Batman's a selfish lover? And the response was, no, we sell children's toys. What? They literally don't... Well, I guess, like, are there any sex scenes between Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy? Because I know that those uh, two are... Yes. Like, yeah. so, I mean, it wouldn't be explicit, so, right? Like, it wouldn't be, like... It wouldn't break yeah, their current could. rating, but, like, it'd still be implied at what Batman was doing. Yeah, you could totally... And you could still play it for comedy. Or, like, you don't actually have to show it. You they know do a I variation mean? later where Batman's giving Catwoman a foot massage. Oh, uh, I guess, according to Vincent Vega, you know, it's in the same ballpark. So it's, it's, uh, I guess that's the same. I actually, I wonder if that's exactly what they were thinking. That's actually kind of funny. Um, Interesting. Well, I mean, maybe one day we'll get a scene of Batman, you know, reciprocating. (laughs) But not this year. That's what the people want, RJ. Okay. I think that's really what we want. I haven't watched the show, but I like get comic book like related news headlines and stuff. And Harley Quinn, the latest season, season three, had a court of owls orgy scene, <laughs> but they the refused of... to have Batman go down on Catwoman. What is the court of owls? Uh, the court of owls is a more is a newer villain. They are se- secret society in Gotham of the most like elite, wealthy, pop- influential individuals. They've been ruling Gotham since it was founded and controlling it from the shadows through the use of their talent soldiers, uh, putting a lot of money and energy and time into being able to use these talent soldiers, train them, raise them, uh, and make them better, stronger, faster, and able to resurrect them and like cryo freeze them, all that fun stuff. It was retconned that I want to say... I want to say Dick Grayson was retconned to have been planned to be a talent for the Court of Owls, but when his parents died in the accident, Batman took him in and foiled that. 
Interesting. And this is a new development? Uh, like, how recent? 2000s new. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's not, like, super new, but still relatively, I guess, in the scope yeah. of the series. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. In my experience, it was one of those things... I read a few, a fair number of the, like, books they were in. In my experience, it was a really cool, like, one-off idea, but the minute they become a recurring thing, it's like, okay, well, they're really not that powerful and influential then, because Batman keeps foiling them. Yeah, that's definitely in, like, a group. That's, like, a group that you have to use pretty strategically or sparingly. But I wonder... That's actually... That's funny that they're in the Harley Quinn movie and that they have an orgy. There's no way that they don't sneak in some, like... Epstein, not like Epstein specifically, but Epstein-esque reference, I'm sure. Like, there's no, there's no fucking yeah. way. Like, a group of elite people all having sex with, or like Eyes Wide Shut, I guess. Oh, very Eyes Wide Shut. Very Eyes Wide yeah. Shut. Yeah. That's, that's a better example, probably. Like, the, uh, one of the screenshots I saw, like, Harley and Ivy infiltrated it, but they're just wearing their normal, like, costumes while wearing the owl masks. And it's the thing where, like, Everyone else in the room disrobes, and they both went, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah. Ooh, awkward. Oh, check, please. Uh, have you seen Eyes Wide Shut? No. Oh, that movie's. It's actually. It's not as like crazy as like it's billed out to be. It's a lot of Tom Cruise like kind of walking around. Um, but it's pretty. It's pretty interesting. I should rewatch it. It's. It's a fascinating idea. Well, since we're uh, since we're talking about R-rated stuff, uh, yeah. What our better buddies Icebreaker this week? What R-rated reboot of a child-friendly movie would you like to see, based on the fact that Winnie the Pooh is now in the public domain to a degree, and they're doing Blood and Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey? <laughs> I really don't like that. I, I don't really either. like. I'm like I. I'm gonna sound like such a hypocrite, so I apologize. But like, I'm usually somebody who's pretty cool with like stuff i think i found my line if i have to be honest like i'm usually pretty cool with like yeah like it's not like oh set out to destroy people's like childhoods or really hit at that but it's like uh do whatever like who cares like it is what it is um and i guess like to be fair i'm getting a little bit of like my own medicine because i've trashed like disney so much and i know like mickey is like a super iconic part of a lot of people's like childhoods and they're sort of like you know there's a lot of parodies of like mickey mouse that get pretty grotesque or cynical or whatever but there's something about this one like i don't know what it is like winnie the pooh's always seems sort of like untouchable in that regard like i think part not, i think part yeah. of the difference is winnie the pooh's not nearly as commercialized in as much as mickey is like winnie the pooh has the stories by a milne or milney or whatever and they've done, like, movies and cartoons, and, like, they had the Christopher Robin movie a couple years ago with Ewan McGregor, and they use him in Disney parks and all that stuff, but, like, he's pretty consistent, because he's not trying to be... He's simple enough that he's not saying anything, right? Like, Winnie the Pooh is a bear who is full of fluff, who likes to eat honey. That's his thing. That's all he does. His best friend is a stuffed piglet. Like a stuffed toy piglet that likes to eat acorns. They hang out with a rabbit and an owl. And there are a couple other stuffed toys. And the kid comes in and they all hang out and have adventures. And it's pretty chill. On the flip side, Mickey Mouse is 
Mickey Mouse as a personality has changed drastically from inception to today to match whatever the current time is to cater to that audience. Yeah, you're <clears throat> you're pretty right. Like Winnie the Pooh has been pretty like timeless. Like he hasn't really altered that much. It's a pretty classic. Like it's almost like it's the closest thing we have to like a modern uh it's not like quite a fairy tale, but it's kind of in the vein where it's like sort of this it's classic a little story. It is a mythology. Yeah. And Mickey Mouse is not. Like Mickey Mouse I like I I and I hate to be an ass but he's like he's a he's a corporate mascot like he's not like really there's something like live i don't know where Where does winnie the pooh live he lives in the hundred acre woods there you go her point yeah mickey mouse is kind of cosmopolitan he's kind of even like even donald duck lives in duckburg oh really i didn't know that with scrooge mcduck Oh yeah, and uh, Goofy. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Goofy even has a hometown too. He's got like a place. Um, I can't. That's right. I forgot. Yeah, Mickey's kind of rootless. He doesn't really have a a home, which is kind of sad. I mean, he like he's usually depicted as living in just regular home. Usually, unless like, it's like, House of Mouse, in which case he's a club owner. That's very true. That was a great show. It was. That's, uh, <clears throat> but all right, let me let me think here about my R-rated reboot of a child-friendly movie. There's quite a bit. Um, there's quite a bit that could actually be kind of like cool. Um, okay, I just had this thought. I don't know how far I want to run with it, but cars. Yeah, go. I want cars. The R-rated reboot. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> what is what is going to change uh, with cars? I don't know yet, but the cur- only thing in my head as like a this is dumb, but it has to be in the movie because it makes no sense no matter what is a s- car strip club. <laughs> I don't know how it would work. I don't know what that blocking would look like. I don't know what the point would be in terms of the overall plot, but it's an R-rated movie. <laughs> I think uh RJ, I think you could get a lot of mileage out of that gag. Hey. <laughs> No. Is it just like the cars could... going in like circles and like opening and closing their doors? <laughs> I do like, yeah, I like the idea of like, um, they could be on like those platforms like that they have at like auto body, oh, uh, shops yeah. or something like that. I'm sure. Um, yeah, you could have, uh, uh, what, what would they pay with? Cause they, uh, I don't know. I mean, they still have money. They do have money, but I don't think you ever see someone in cars, like, no. spend money. Um, is, like, nitrous oxide, like, or, like, whatever they use to, like, boost cars, like, the, the like, drug? Like, fuel injectors is the drug? Oh, the one that... But they don't let you do drugs in strip clubs. I mean... <laughs> probably. You know? I mean, well, I, I guess if you're, uh, if you're a specialty client, you probably get to do whatever you want. Um... What what would be their alcohol like? Because they have oil, know. they drink oil. Um, I think I think you could make the case that nitrous would be yeah, that would be like a drug. Um, and then 
You could probably do, what would it, I'm trying to think of like, maybe it's like a different kind of oil is like their alcohol. Well, um, cause like they antifreeze. need, they need oil and gasoline, uh, maybe antifreeze. Yeah. Like some other fluid of, um, well maybe what it is is maybe it's like if you mix them all together, like they can make cocktails and stuff uh, like that. And that's how they get, that's how they get shwasted at the car strip club. Um, I'm trying to what would it another, be called? Like, another movie. I don't, I don't know if I want to go. For, I don't know if I want to stick with cars, though. <clears throat> That's fair. Um, I think I think one that would actually be kind of cool, and um, I'm usually against a live action reboot. Though I think that this one it could actually be really cool if done properly. Um, I think Atlantis could oh. be interesting if you have a an R rated. Uh, I think we were on similar parallel thoughts because my thought I just had was I want that live action treasure planet for very selfish reasons. Give me that live action R rated treasure planet. Like I want, they're going to swear like Jim Hawkins is going to fucking swear when he nearly dies surfing. (laughs) It would, it would be pretty good. It would be pretty, um, I guess, like, my only, with both of those, my only sort of compunction, is that con- confliction with yeah. both of those, is, um, that, like, there is something that I think is added to them by the fact that they are a little more innocent, um, and it gives a little bit of, like, lightness to the subject matter, though I still think, because, like, art doesn't necessarily imply, it doesn't have to be, like, gritty or, um violent right like it can just be a little I mean, more it, it can just be a little more real it's it's more ability well, to express what, what does everything. it take to get the r rating it has to be the violence sex drugs it, it's sex because otherwise uh, you can 13 you can have a lot of violence oh uh, you know before. what it is you just drop two f-bombs just drop two f-bombs it it's it's language and then it's um it's usually something to do with being sexually explicit or drugs. Like you can actually have a lot of violence in a PG 13 movie. I think like parts of the Caribbean is a good example. Like there's a lot of kind of violence in that film. Um, so even it's the not so violence is gore. You mean like not so much like there's like gore in the first pirates or like, violence? Cause, yeah. Cause I don't remember a ton of like gore in pirates of the Caribbean, but I remember there's tons of fighting. That's very true. There's not a whole lot of like blood or, um, uh, yeah, wait a minute. What is hold on? I want to see something really quick. Seven. I just thought of what already like Pirates of the Caribbean would be, and it'd just be Pirates of the Caribbean turned up to the Game of Thrones notch. Oh, wait, see, but here's the thing would that ruin the movie? Would that ru- would, the, would the overabundance of like would that ability to do it make it a weaker um... film? I'd say no. I think that's that's one of the rare ones where I would say no. I think it'd be okay, specifically because piracy is such a a time period and uh like whole story base where there's a lot of nasty shit that goes on because like that's during the slave trade and that's they're pirates so they're like fighting and pillaging and all that stuff that they put a lot of the same stuff in Game of Thrones and did it medieval. You just kind of transplant it, swap out the medieval medieval theming with pirate theming, and it's basically the same thing. That's pretty true. You, That's you really might, You might have to swap the story a little bit and, like, stretch it out. 
in terms of, like, get rid of the sequels. We're just focusing on the OG Pirates of the Caribbean movie as if there were no sequels. I, it would probably end up turning into a, like, trilogy where the first one is we meet Jack Sparrow and Will Turner and What's-Her-Name and they um, meet up and it introduces us to the world and the pirate kingdoms. And the pirate kingdoms are vying for power. In the meantime, there's the undead pirates with Barbosa's crew that are, like, hunting down Jack and kind of being terrors. Uh, the, that's how it goes in that direction. And the third movie, third act reveal, is when p we find out Jack is also undead because he was on the crew. Or because he steals a coin so he becomes undead too or whatever. Oh shit, I'm sorry. I like totally blanked out. Are you like re are you like reorganizing the entire series or yes. just the movie? I I'm Holy taking shit. the I'm taking the first Damn. movie, dropping all the sequels, and reorganizing the first movie into a three part trilogy. Interesting. Okay. okay. And but it it would be a lot more of the like we're getting glimpses because like in the later movies, like it'd be drawing parts of the sequels, because like in two or three or something like that, there's the pirate council, right? And, yes. like, the different pirates from all over the world. And we'd be getting a little bit more of that with the, like, pirate kingdoms. So it'd be a little bit more Game of Thrones where, like, there's the different kingdoms vying for power. And there's this undead force that's also vying to, like, destroy. And they're contending with the British crown and that navy. I do think that would be inch that I've never even thought about like reorganizing that film, like that film series or the the movie itself like that. I, f I think that would actually be really fascinating to try and do. My, my biggest issue is I am a, I'm a really big, um, like believer in sort of an Indiana Jones method where each movie should be able to stand on its own. Like each, I should be able to walk into, a film in a trilogy and ideally um i'm able to understand like what's going on and i can watch it as its own independent film without having to sort of like have seen the other films i guess to be fair indiana jones is somewhat of an anomaly because it's supposed to be more episodic like there's no overarching story that's carried well, between three, it also doesn't right? help that indiana jones is first movie prequel sequel Oh, you're right. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. Because, yep. wait. Um, okay. Temple I've... of Doom's a prequel to the first Indiana Jones movie. I totally forgot that it was supposed to take place earlier. Um, that is fascinating. Yeah, okay. So, so the Pirates of the Caribbean thing, like, so you're saying the first movie, like, we're introducing, like, the Kingdoms... Uh, the the threat of the British and the undead army, and then we've got our three mains. Now that's a lot. That's a lot to do. But if you have a solid two hour movie, you could um, probably do it pretty well. I also don't know that you need to introduce it all at once as like a okay. Here's this. Now we're moving on to here's this. Now we're moving on to here's this. Like we start off in the same way with the Pirates of the Caribbean one where. They do the British colony, right? They've got the British colony. Will Turner is there, making being a blacksmith or whatever. The pirates attack. He and Elizabeth get dragged into pirate world, and so they're trying yeah. to. That Jack is basically their guide through pirate world, and so we already know the British and the pirates are a thing. And then maybe 
at the end of the okay. first movie, you hint at, like, Barbosa. Like, they, Barbosa's a pirate that's been chasing them throughout the pirate world for the first movie as they're trying to, like, escape or something and get back to, oh. like, a British colony. And then, the like, almost like Avengers end game, Avengers, like, the first Avengers movie end credit scene of Thanos, you wouldn't have to make an end credit scene. We don't need to have end credit scenes in this. But it'd be, like, the last scene in the movie is Barbosa and, like, the moonlight shines on him, like he steps into the moonlight, and you see the undead turn, and like that's the reveal for that is the end of the movie. I, I actually love that. I love the idea of like um, Will and Jack and Elizabeth being more closely knit throughout, especially the first movie, because they sp- a lot. Our main characters spend quite a, a lot of time apart, and it's still a very fun film, but. It, like, I think the idea of, like, for instance, um, like, maybe it's like, all right, here we go. So, like, Jack is in debt to, so, like, he's he's in debt or he's running from someone either. You like someone. What, in the... what? So, we merge Barbosa and Davy Jones. Like, the, the role their characters serve, right? Interesting. Because that was, that was one of the things, at least, it's, I, I admit, I've only seen the first movie and parts of two and three. But it seemed like they solved everything in the first movie because, like, oh, we wrapped it up and didn't plan on making sequels. And then they made sequels and they're like, ah, shit, we need a supernatural force. Let's bring in Davy Jones. Yeah. I I think that's... It's not a bad idea. I like even the idea of reducing Davy Jones' stature to from, like, a villain to more of just, like, a... Uh, a character who appears every so often and he's not like good or bad he's just sort of neutral like he's just sort of like a he's more of like a god or a spirit than he is like a like this kind of like active antagonist but really quick i want to i want to get back like i love this idea of like i'm just like thinking about this in my head of like okay so it's like jack um jack is like on the run basically he's like in debt to like low levels of like the pirate of the pirate kingdoms and he winds up in port royal um like like sees like elizabeth swan she's you know the governor's daughter and he like hatch like really quickly he's like oh i know what i'll do i'll kidnap her and i could sell her for ransom like i'll sell her to the pirates they'll get a ransom for her and like that'll help me pay off my debt and basically in the process of like him kidnapping her like maybe will is like hanging around the house for some reason or he sees uh he's, he's, some, somehow, the sword. he's, he's presenting he's really, yeah he's the blacksmith and he's presenting a sword to the governor yeah and it's like it could be like at night it could be like a like an evening thing like he's presenting the sword and he's he's been asked for like dinner because it's like a big it's a big deal and they want to like give homage and maybe even the governor is like oh like Maybe this, maybe this boy, but not really, you know. Um, and like after that, Jack like comes in, kidnaps Elizabeth, um, basically runs out. Like Will is like heading home. He's like dejected because he's been like rejected from the royal, like the the, the family society. or whatever. Yeah, by society. And he sees uh, or hears like the commotion as he's like walking through the streets. He sees Jack. He like gets basically like. He tries to stop him. Jack knocks him out. They all wake up on the ship together like a a week or not a week, like the next morning. And the British Navy, like the Commodore is going after them. The pirates are now going after them. And like there we have our opening like 
Jack is going to go to the pirate like kingdom. He's going to try and get um, them. Like he's going to try and ransom her off to the first person he sees. And there, Ideally, there's like, the like there's the main plot like conflict of the first movie is they are trying to outrace both enemies, the English Commodore yeah. and the pirates that Jack owes money to, to get to the pirate kingdom to sell off to quote unquote sell off Elizabeth. So Jack yeah. can get his money to pay off the people chasing him. Yeah, but the whole thing eventually becomes, like, obviously we're going to have a point where, like, Jack realizes, like, what he's doing is, like, wrong. Um, that he's not really, like, allied to it as much as he thinks he is. So the goal becomes to get back to, um, like, basically back to, like, because the Commodore leaves, let's say he takes, like, some men and ships with him. The pirates, like, pirates realize, like, oh, shit, like, that place is totally undefended. They start going there. Um, our, our three heroes realize this. They have to race back. So they're trying to basically catch the Commodore and get him to chase them back to Port Royal so everyone can come and have, like, a final conflict, like, at the place where it all started. Oh, okay. So set up, mm-hmm. for, the, set up for the next movie. Here we go. Yeah, so yeah. They, they're running to the Pirate Kingdom. They realize the pirates that were chasing them have turned around to attack the the village or the, the city. Mm-hmm. And so they're tra- they have to get Commodore to turn around and chase them. They go back. The Commodore has followed them in. There's the battle. They're in time to save the city, but obviously there's much death and destruction and some of the pirates get away and all that fun stuff and they're hunting them down. Yeah. But in the battle, there is one of those times where Jack needs to... And this is also assuming Jack is our main character, like a protagonist. Because pirate movie was always a little weird of, like, Jack, Will, Elizabeth, trifecta of, like, protagonism. So it could be any of the yeah. three. But they need they need just that extra bit, right? Like, whether it's an extra little bit of distance on the leap or a little bit of reach with the sword or they're, they get hit and they need to live for a little longer. And they make a deal with Davy Jones as a spirit, which then comes up in like the uh, next movie or like the third one is the like okay uh, this is hanging over the character's head and of course like any good movie no one's gonna just talk about it so that they can have open communication and solve the problem together they're gonna hide it from everyone else oh that's such a good idea that's fascinating we'd have to have a scene where he either where he appears to either the person where that happens to or like one of the other people, like maybe Jack, um, like one of the other people, like you know a character. Would make or, hmm. So the the scene where he appears to them is one of them is falling off the boat, right? And like yes. they get shot yeah. or something and fall backwards off the boat and they land yeah. in the water and you watch as they fall in the water and splash and like there's the air bubble. So it's hard to see. And when the air bubbles clear, they're standing upside down on the surface of the water. It's so like they're oh. so like they're standing, but it, their feet are they're underwater, and their feet are just like resting against the surface of the water, like its floor. And below them, like they're face to, it's almost like the Spider-Man Mary Jane kiss style, like yeah. setup. They're not gonna kiss, maybe they are, but um, <laughs> but, uh, Davy Jones is standing there in the ocean, looking up at them to make the offer of. Either you come down to the depths, your body is ours, your soul, like, you you come down here, you, you're you dying, you're in the water, you're going to become ours, or make a deal. That's good. And I really Davy, like that, Davy Jones doesn't care. He, he's emotionless. He's not about 
he doesn't care who wins, he doesn't care who loses, he doesn't care who dies. Yeah. He is there to make deals. He's not he's not a bad guy. It's literally just like he's like these are the rules. Like the like lawful, I'm offering very lawful. People, very lawful. He's like I'm like I'm basically offering yeah, he's the personification of like the natural law of the sea. Like he's not he's out to like, keep, like trick anyone. He, he they're yeah. very clear terms. Yeah. He's like I can do this for you, but these are the rules, and this is what happens when I do. Um, wow, I really like that, dude. Like, <laughs> oh, damn. I really love that. That's the, I hate to toot our own horn. That's pretty. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's I'd watch not it. Bad at all. <laughs> I love that. Or you know, we just oh fuck. They already did Dora the Explorer already. They did do Dora the Explorer. You, if you had like, I would love to see. Um, yeah, because you could do Dora if it was like a Tomb Raider, like a you know. They like functionally a Tomb did. Thing. Although I will give yeah. Dora the like, I will give credit to the trailer for Dora the Explorer. It's got the, uh, you know, in the Ant Man movies, his best friend who like, Luis does the explanations. I don't remember the actor's name. Is it uh, Michael Pena? Yeah, Michael Pena is in the movie, and he's. He was great in the trailer, because in the trailer, they do one of the things from the Dora show where she, like, turns to the camera and says, can you say whatever? And But it's at <laughs> breakfast, and none of the rest of the family re- is, like, does anything. They're all just kind of, like, looking at, like, the mom and dad look at each other, and Michael Payne's character's just like, she'll grow out of it. Because <laughs> <laughs> there is no camera. <laughs> now that's, like, that's... That's funny. I mean, that that's like it's cute. That's like a good little little kind of inside winky gag. Um, uh, no, I I think honestly, dude, I'm I hate to get stuck on it. I'm I'm wedded to that part. I think that's actually a great pitch. I think that's actually like a really fun idea for a movie. Um, oh like, God, I just thought of a worse idea. I want the Tron R-rated movie. <laughs> Or, actually worse, the Wreck-It oh. Ralph 2 Ralph Breaks the Internet R-rated movie. Just so much, so much DeviantArt. <laughs> they got a DeviantArt. Just oh, so much no. DeviantArt. That would be... Yeah, that, that would be like a war crime. Right? We, we, couldn't, we couldn't subject audiences to that. We'd be brought up on, like, charges of... It'd be NC-17. <laughs> It would be. <laughs> it would be. You wouldn't be able to show it in most theaters, but it would be really, really funny. Um, like really funny. Uh, yeah. Wreck It Ralph three: The Dark Web. Oh Even though God. that's not really. That's not really. I know. Like, uh, it's funny because sometimes, like, uh, I'll be talking to my mom or whatever, and she's like, "Oh yeah, 4chan, like the dark web." I'm like, "It's not. That's, that's not the dark web." Mom, no, but. <laughs> But that's, I mean, we won't, you know, that's totally fine. I, I, I understand what she's saying. I understand the, the idea. But, man, we better uh, we better kind of lock down that, uh, that, that, TM, TM, right, TM. that, that pirates uh, uh, thing where somebody steals it. Ooh. Um, hear I that, Mr. That I think really needs a reboot and would what? benefit from the R rating. Tomorrowland. Well, Oh, I actually never saw that movie. I never did. But I, I heard it, it was Was it good? No. Oh. <laughs> it was it was a really big letdown partially because it had such a good premise throughout a lot of the movie only to like 
not follow through on the ending. Because a lot of it is, hey, the here's the setup for this land of the future in a pocket dimension. And functionally, Epcot was, like, hiding it. And so at the World's Fair, when they did the whole thing, uh, it was like, hey, we're, this is what the future's going to look like. And here's a secret ride that we're taking the secret, like, inventors and thinkers and intelligent people off to the actual Tomorrowland to show them all our wonders. And here's the, like, you're following the clues and the trails to get there while evading the death machines, only for it to turn out that Tomorrowland was a functional functional failure. It was like Bioshock level of, like, if we fucked up, we, we tried to be free and free thinkers and have, like, the smartest and brightest and best people come here to do their thing, and we had all this great technology, and we fucked it up. Everybody died. Oh. And then they, like, stop, um, what's his name? Dr. House. Uh. Oh, um. Sounds up my tongue. Hugh, Hugh Laurie. Yeah, they stop Hugh Laurie's evil plan of not reopening Tomorrowland, I guess. And then they invite a bunch of creatives and artists and thinkers to Tomorrowland. Where it's like, okay, cool, you invited this new generation of people to come to Tomorrowland where everything's fucking broken and none of them know how to, like, fix this technology. And you've ignored the lesson of the previous group where they all died. They're gonna, they're gonna figure it out, you know what I mean? They're gonna, that's the whole magic of it. They're gonna, they're gonna rebuild. It's good, they're gonna make their own Tomorrowland. With blackjack and hookers. Yeah, with blackjack and hookers. I was thinking, actually... I was thinking, uh, the thought occurred to me, you know what would actually kind of be interesting? What? A, a R, an R-rated version of the first Despicable Me movie. Oh. Where you could actually have... And I, again, I'm thinking like live action, so we could maybe... Gru can either still be like grumpy, like middle-aged, like Bobic Man, or he could just be like haggard like somewhat uh like i'm thinking almost like a john ham type oh john ham i could see john ham great as like a i I mean the real question is what's the premise of the plot right because like are we going to keep the same general plot of evil scientist wants to be evil scientist needs to the three girls to for the infiltration to steal the thing and then by the end of it he likes taking care of the girl so he becomes good yeah I think you could do. I think you could do minor tweaks. You'd have to, I guess. Um, oh, this is a good question, actually. Because the worry I see is, I can see this slightly falling into the trap of any sort of. It's a spy action hero, but also there's a kid. Where, or like, uh, Dave Bautista was in one a while back, a few years ago, where he like. His daughter or, like, stepdaughter or something finds out he's a spy. And so they've got the classic stuff of, like, oh, she's really good at lying. Uh, Or, like, really good at telling when people lie. And, like, oh, there's all this spy stuff she's actually really good at. I think what you do is you actually, um... Ooh, I got it. I got the tone we need to aim for. If you've ever seen the movie The Pacifier. Okay, yeah. We need to aim for that balance, but crank it up to R rating. Because in the pacifier, yeah. he's taking care of them, but he's still the action hero. But they never, like, 
really help out, you know? Like, when the final confrontation goes down, they're all just kind of not there. <laughs> yeah, and I would want it to be more... Like, I would want the girls to be more involved. Like, I wouldn't want the two plots to be so separate. Because I'm usually, I'm not really a huge fan of, like... Um, I have to balance my, like, double life. I have to steal from this guy, but also got to make it to my, uh, my daughter's, like, piano recital. Like, how am I going to do it, you know? Um, I think, like, that stuff can be kind of fun, and I guess it depends, like, if, uh, like, if the, if that Despicable Me, like, reboot would be, like, um, uh, more action-oriented or comedy, but... Mm -hmm. So... You don't like the thing where they're having to, like, balance out the two lives. And which one do I do? We skip that yeah. entirely. Fuck that shit. Throw it out the window. He adopts the three kids and doesn't puts in the paperwork to homeschool them and immediately begins training them to be evil. Oh, he trains them so and teaches them good. up to be evil villains the same yes. way he was. And they, they like, they're playing to their different strengths because if I'm remembering the movie correctly, it's been a few years. They do, like, the, the like, external characterization art to aspect of the characters indicates like oh we got the slightly nerdy one and the one that's just kind of a little manic and the super mean one yes and because like they're kids so like they're gonna manic energy whatever so we he it's the evolution of the film is he's trying to pull off his evil plot and train them and it's the conflict of does he include them on his evil schemes like when are they going to be ready versus to like be a part of the team I love that. I and think then, too. You could be. Mm -hmm. sequel, Despicable Me Two. One of the girls goes rogue. She's following her father's teachings, but now they're rivals. And how do they how do they resolve that? Oh, that's and the movie. The second one could start after the the split. It could start after the girl has chosen to break off. And, and you know, like, so how, here's here's my idea for that opening, is we see her do on like a mission thing, right? Like she's got her own cohort of minions, mm -hmm. they're doing their thing, and she goes through the whole thing, and it's only after she successfully completes it do you find out it wasn't for dad. Yeah, it was for her. That's great. I honestly think you ditch. I think you almost cut the minions. Yeah, uh, like, I'm fine with that. Potentially, because I'm almost envisioning this type of movie as, like, it's either a live action or it's, like, an actually well-animated, like, 2D, think, like, think almost like an Atlanta-style animation, honestly, um, but it's, like, R-rated, and I would love this story of, like, this guy who, like, adopts these girls and, like, to, to basically um, help him with, like, a big heist, and he gets really into it and they like they actually start bonding but then he like starts to have a conflict as well of like like realizing that they are just like kids like there's moments of like kind of innocence or like kind of parts of being a kid that he's like starting to see more and more and that's where we get like the whole the ice the icy heart the despicable heart is melting a little bit and he you can you could have a great scene i'm thinking of like those characters like you could still have the scene where they all go out to like the carnival or yeah. something or the, the fair the the boardwalk like and that could be a great little um that could just be like such a great little bit where he's like instead of him being dragged to it it it's kind of reversed where he's taking them to it as like a reward because he wants to give them like an opportunity to just be kids like he's afraid they're getting like 
like he's kind of pushing them like a little too much or something like that, or they're like getting a little too into it, basically. Um, and I love the idea of it being John Ham. Would like, it be? Like, would it keep comedic elements? It would still. It would still be like. Um, think. Think kind of like the tone of something, not quite like the Umbrella Academy or like um, other shows like that, but it's sort of. It's not as wacky. Like it would, it would be done like somewhat, somewhat realistically or or naturalistically is like a better way to say it. So I think but you it can put still... the minions back in. It's you just gonna so? be guys in like hazmat suits, oh. though. Actually, actually, like, they don't I... get like a big role. They do a lot. Of, like you see them a lot of backgrounds, like doing work and like repairing things yeah. in the base, to fine tuning the vehicles, but like. And the training montages and stuff, they get used as the test dummies, too. Actually, I think... I'm actually going to reverse that. I think you could have the minions... Um, I'm almost thinking it's almost it almost could look like an R-rated like Studio Ghibli film. And you know how in Ghibli films, like there's always like that little group of like characters that all kind of like look the same. They're always like all running around yeah, and stuff like, like the, that. Yeah, the dusts, the dust mites or whatever. Yeah, I think you could still have that, and it could still work, actually. Like, I think you could still have those characters in there if they're, like... And they can still be kind of, like, like silly or wacky or whatever. Um, I do like the idea of, like, one of them taking a smoke break. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like, I think that's kind of, like, funny. Um, but now I'm getting into, like, Facebook mom territory here. Um, I think it's fine. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. I actually kind of like this idea too. Um, dude, we should just we should just have a show where we just pitch movie ideas. This is brilliant. We're getting so much material. I mean, uh, we're not even pitching movie ideas. We're rebooting movie ideas. That's a good point. We should just write these. Well, what we should do is we should just like we'll change like certain elements of it, but we'll just write it as its own movie, and then we can just like. I mean, right? That's basically that's basically what writing is, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I kind of, I really like, I really like this. That's that's fun. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, and you can still have to, because I've totally forgot that he has that like old scientist guy who helps him. Oh in the first yeah. Movie. By Russell Brand. And that guy would fit. You could honestly take that character, like, beat for beat and put him in. Yeah. In the one we're discussing. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I just want to verify, though. By the end of the movie, they're not good guys. Like. No. 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 They're, it's it's more like. Um, they're, they're, it's kind of like an Ocean's Eleven thing, sort of, I guess, where it's Got like. It. Those guys aren't really good guys, but they're not bad people. But we're rooting for them. Sense. Yeah, we're rooting for them. There are worse like, people. There are worse people. And it's like, and yeah, it's like, it's kind of like, it'd be sort of like, um, it's like the Umbrella Academy a little bit mixed with Ocean's Eleven mixed with It's Always Sunny, I guess. Like, they're not good people. Okay. But because of that, we identify with them. And there's something cathartic about watching them. But they're also not entirely, like, bad people either. So, Yeah. I nice. think that, yeah, little, little bow on that one. Do we uh, 
Do you want to give any media recommendations this week? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The two movies that we're going to make, RJ, obviously. Um, I I can quick give, I can give a quick one. Yeah. Um, uh, So over the weekend, I watched this one movie by Kira Kurosawa. Uh, It's called Seven Samurai. It's actually the inspiration. I've never heard of it. You you haven't? No, I have. Oh yeah. The Seven Samurai <laughs> then resulted in the Magnificent Seven in Correct. American. In what? Sorry. Well, the Seven Samurai inspired the Magnificent Seven, the Western film in America, and oh, yes. both, I believe, I mean, Akira Kurosawa was uh, an inspiration to George Lucas to begin with. Hmm. Yeah, he uh, he's famous. The the one of the movies that Luke, George Lucas cites, I believe, is The Hidden Fortress, is one of his inspirations for Star Wars, for the original Star Wars. But Seven Samurai is great. It's basically about a village of farmers who are who've been under siege from bandits for a long time, and they're kind of at their breaking point. So a few of them go off to a nearby town, uh, and their whole goal is they want to recruit. Uh, they want to recruit. Initially, it's um, four samurai. They want to recruit some samurai to uh, fight for them. The only problem is they're not very wealthy. They don't have a whole lot of cash because they've been robbed a lot. So all they have to offer is food and a place to stay. Um, they eventually end up recruiting seven samurai uh, who are kind of all like kind of fun, little distinct characters. And yep. um, the samurai come back and they basically help the villagers sort of prepare uh, to fight the bandits. And there's a uh, there's a battle, and then the movie ends. Yep. Um, and uh, I definitely recommend it. This movie is a monster. I think it's like three and a half hours long. How many samurai um, survive? Um, I think three. Okay. Technically, three survive. Um, four die. Um, and uh, it's it's a really really well done film. Um, it's really really like it's cool um, just to see how it's shot. Uh, there's great action, but it, it's it's it, it, it's kind of corny nowadays because there's not a whole lot of you know stuff. But um, it's just fun to see because uh, it's just like guys running around with samurai swords and cutting each other up. And um, there's a lot of little interesting plot lines that all kind of weave in and out of each other. It's a fantastic. Um, it's a fantastic kind of tapestry of a movie, and I would highly recommend it. Um, Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa. Nice. Uh, I'm going to recommend real quick. I know I didn't watch anything new, but I've been rewatching Lucifer, so I'm going to recommend Lucifer again with the caveat nice. of pay attention to the music selections and the dialogue. Uh, because I noticed on this rewatch that a lot of times the music, like, because it's a. It's a serial, like, crime drama, right? Like, Lucifer, the devil, is in Los Angeles, and he helps the police solve crimes. Yeah. And, of course, they got a lot of scene transitions where it's, like, the sky shots of Los Angeles as they transition to the police station or the club or wherever the next scene is. But the music they use, particularly because, like, a lot of the transitions are back to the club, is they'll do music. And I realized in this one, I was like, oh, a lot of the music they're picking relates to whatever's happening. So, like, the lyrics of the song that they're doing generally fit pretty well with whatever the situation is that's about to happen in the next scene. Or relates to the characters the scene is about. And then a really neat thing of dialogue they did was uh, 
in one of the, like, in, like, season two, Lucifer kills someone and is super bummed about it. He feels super guilty. And he's in his club one time and he thinks, like, he thinks he sees the person he killed and he begins to walk towards them. And he bumps into someone. But the dialogue lines, Lucifer says the name, begins to walk forward, bumps into someone. He says, I'm sorry. And the person he bumped into says, no, it's all right. It's not your fault. But taken out of context, it's Lucifer apologizing to that person and that person saying, it's not your fault. Which, Hmm. normally you can't really take things out of context like that, except Lucifer is all about, it's full of the angelic mythology. Which means that includes God and God's ineffable plan. So theoretically, you could read the scene as God setting it up to tell Lucifer it's not his fault. Wow. That's actually um, uh, pretty well constructed. That's yeah. fascinating. So you definitely, that's, uh, because I've, I've only seen the first like couple episodes of that show. I do remember liking it quite a bit. Like, I think it's pretty fun. I didn't um, pick up on the thing I just described until I was watching it this time because I had subtitles on. Where I was just reading the I, subtitles and I was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Lucifer just apologized <laughs> and was forgiven. It's amazing what you pick up on rewatch, in all honesty. Yeah. <laughs> We're going real long this week. We are. Wait, well, because it's it's almost an hour, right? Um, uh, we have time for like one or two Yeah, we got right? time for a couple questions. Yeah. The first one's a heavy one, so this might be the only one. But uh, how to be a better <laughs> buddy, where we give some real and some humorous advice. What's your opinions on masculinity being demonized on social media and IRL? With the further details, do you think it's justified, unjustified, or gone too far? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um... Okay. I guess, like, I think some of this stuff is overplayed. Like, I don't think it's as in bad of a state as people make it out to be like i don't i don't i think a lot of the the quote-unquote like culture war stuff is sort of almost just like it almost sometimes feels like one big like ar um (laughs) show if that makes any sense like it doesn't feel entirely like it feels like something that people like to talk about because it's it's interesting but it doesn't super affect stuff however i will say the culture war um, is as real as those who think it's real is. Yeah, exactly. And that and that's the only way it can be, like, ever. Um, so it's simultaneously, like, incredibly real and yet not at all. Um, I, I would say, like, it is to a degree uh, justified, at least criticism, um, because there's a lot of stuff wrong in the world and there is a lot of stuff that, like, men have done wrong in the world with institutions and systems that they either built themselves or insisted were only quite literally like manned by them and have done really nothing but uh, kind of caused like a lot of pain and 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 stupid um sort of consequence for everybody involved um however i think um if you're looking like any attempt for scapegoating for the world's the state of the world um, is going to find you're not going to find satisfaction in it because no one group or person is 
responsible for it. Like, even though men have done a lot of really bad shit, there's a lot of other stuff, too. And I hate to be that, like, what about-ism guy. I know people aren't, like, a huge fan of that. But I also think one of the reasons people aren't a huge fan of that is because, like, I'm not trying... I'm not at all saying, like, men aren't responsible for the things they've done. Um, what I'm saying is that they are... There are others as well. There are yeah. other things that people could have done better. Um, and that's not super fun to hear. That reminds um, me of the, uh, the Neil deGrasse Tyson tweet about how the history of Europe is, oh, that's yours? I'm taking it. It's mine now. Where it's like, mm, yeah, but also that's a history of everywhere else, and your phrasing and setup implies that it's a white-centric thing, when really it's just a global historical aspect when it came to yeah, I mean, early tribalism dealing with each other. Yeah, it's it's a it's a human thing. And again, it doesn't excuse like um it does not at all excuse, obviously, like the actions of the European continent. Those people were monsters sometimes but so i mean you go you hop over into asia i mean those countries were brutal towards each other and other people you hop into africa those countries were awful towards each I mean, other i learned those, the other like, day that japan still refuses to recognize the uh whole comfort women thing where they kidnapped women of other asian countries functionally during world war ii do they really yeah they still they refuse like, to recognize that yeah so it's like and again, just because like just because somebody is like has done bad stuff and has not owned up to it yet does not mean like that doesn't give anyone else an excuse to be like, well, they did something really shitty. So why can't I like, you know, basically like deny or not acknowledge yeah. it? It's like, well, just because they're doing something shitty doesn't mean we all have to be shitty. In fact, like the most adult human mature thing, maybe the biggest challenge for our age right now is to own up to all that stuff to be and, someone to be the bigger person and yeah. we got to move through it you know what i mean like just there because is such someone's a thing not where... standing like not staying up to the moral standard doesn't mean you lower the standard exactly exactly but i i also think like one of my biggest issues with a lot of this like well we need to recognize and we need to highlight all this stuff and it's like i totally agree with you there are a lot of faults with a lot of systems and a lot of like methodologies or ideologies or systems of thought that really need to be examined and picked apart but a lot of this stuff eventually to me seems to not actually it, it's directed more towards like this kind of ouroboros of catharsis rather than actually devising a solution it seems like what you want to do is like acknowledge a lot of this pain which is important but then it's a lot of fun to live in that pain because it's incredibly cathartic uh it's not as cathartic and it's not nearly as sort of like accessible to try and construct solutions to this. And that's not super fun. Like it, you know, it, it, it's not an easy thing to do. It's like one of the most difficult things you could ever do, but it's incredibly essential if we want to like move past this stuff. So if you're genuine and honest in your intentions of recognizing the faults and the sort of pain points like within things like masculinity or various systems of power, then you will not only take steps to rectify these, you will take steps to avoid the same mistakes that those things made. Just yes. because you're not like a guy or just because you're not white or just because you're not whatever, I don't care. There's there, literally 
a text I read like last either last year or the year before that was about like dismantling systems of power and enacting change. And literally the first chapter, they were like, I only read the first chapter, but in the first chapter of the book, they're like, hey, yo, um, when go- setting out to dismantle oppressive systems of power, make sure you don't become the oppressor. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's like, that's the story of, like, humankind, sort of, is like, you know, people, there's a group of people who who go through a... a uh, a series of sort of like tribulations or trials so often at the hands of like the people who rule over them and then eventually these people somehow get free and they're like you know what we're gonna do we're not gonna be like those people and then they do the exact same thing those people did and it's like oh you were so close like just because Missed you're different that much <laughs> like just because you're different doesn't mean you're not going to make the same mistakes if you're not careful and you have to be careful because real change can occur, but it's something that has to be like intentional. It, yes. Intentional is a great word for it. Um, so yeah, I, I do think like, I think there are a lot of guys on like social media who do wine and they're like, I feel like attacked and I feel like I'm, I'm really like, this is like really hurtful and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, yeah. no shit, dude, you tried to go pick up a chick that was shit faced at a bar when yeah. really she just needed to be sent home. It's also like, dude, I hate to be, like, I hate to be this guy, but it's like, like, don't fucking cry about stuff on social media. Like, don't. Like, th- like that's not, like, that. that's for kids, dude. Are you in high school? Like, get, like <laughs> who cares what's happening on on that stuff? I'm not saying that oh, it's no, like... Oh no, someone made a mean TikTok about men. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, exactly. That's the... Di- like, social media is quickly becoming just purely the domain of high schoolers or people who still wish they were. So don't don't pay attention to that stuff. I'm not saying you can't enjoy it. I'm not saying it's not fun. But if you're taking what's being said on social media and, like, really taking it to heart, it, 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 it is subject to... Ch- it's like the wind, dude. It's subject to change at, at, at any point in time. So So be, you know, not to be like that guy, but be a man. Be, be firm and stable in your convictions. Don't be inflexible. Be open to change. Be open to to a sort of, you know, an ability and a capacity to grow. But do not be so subject to the whims of your time that you fall prey to them. You know, be a have tree some, with a solid core, be, but you bend in the wind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Solid roots, the ability to bend in the wind. All right. Yeah. Uh, we can do one more question. Yeah, let's do it. Men, why must we throw rocks at large bodies of water? Big oh, splash man. release serotonin. Yeah, it's just it's just fun. Um, it's just fun. I think everyone should do it. I've, I've seen a lot of and people. getting large results creates the happy chemicals. Yeah, it's just fun to kind of pick up like a really big rock. It's like fun to see how far you can throw it, and then it's even more fun to see like what kind of splash you can make. Um, I think everyone's probably done this at one point or another. You know, it's the combination of getting to show how cool you are. You can take up something that is heavy and throw it. You're Uh strong, and the fun of an explosion. 
Yeah, that's true. It's like the closest thing to an explosion you can get, like a really heavy rock, like splashing in the water without actually exploding something. And it's not nearly as like dangerous, ideally, um, ideally, depending on how big the rock is. Um, and where you throw it from. And where you throw it from. You always be careful. All right. Just you can do this, but just be safe. Um, you know, why must we throw rocks at large bodies of water? Because we what must. A great question. <laughs> I think the action justifies itself. <laughs> why? Why does the frog sit in the pond? Why do the birds fly through the air? Because they must. And so must we throw rocks at large bodies of water. Ah, uh, yes, the immutable laws of nature at work once again. The cheetah hunts. <laughs> the gazelles prey, and men throw rocks at large bodies of water. <laughs> the stars oh. burn out the universe fades and still should a man find a large body of water he will throw a rock at it <laughs> <laughs> oh man I can see the portrait now it's beautiful the last the last rock the last yeah that's probably the last thing that might ever happen in the world Someone oh you just reminded me did you see the I saw a headline the other week of the, like, AI art bots being asked to, like, create the last selfie. Oh. They were disturbing I, images. Let me... I want to see really quick. A uh, last selfie. Like... On Earth AI. Um, alright, is it like this? Is it... Okay, generates AI apocalyptic images of the last selfie ever taken. Oh, sh dude, what do you think about this AI stuff? Man, uh, I, uh, I don't know. It's, Word. on the one hand, it's useful tools. On the other, we need to be able to combat deepfake. Oh man, yeah, I really don't like this stuff. Yeah, I really just think like, like, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, but I just think I think we're getting a little too big for our britches. If I'm being honest, technologically speaking, I think I think it's time for a rollback. I don't know about that. Um, I mean, I don't mean like, I don't mean like everything's got to go away. I just mean like, I just think our, our relationship to it needs to change. You, you know, know what, what I mean? Is. It hmm. reminds me of Marvel Comics, as many things do. <laughs> yeah, yes. Okay. Um, but there was a lot, one of the common criticisms of like the super smart characters in Marvel is the like, they're so smart, why haven't they cured cancer? And... There are two different tracks that Marvel has taken to answer that. One, and the one that I don't like, is Wakanda did cure cancer, and they're withholding it, should they ever need it, to black male countries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other one that I like more, and it's, I think Iron Man, it's either like Iron Man or Mr. Fantastic talks about it, in terms of just science and progress in general, is, yes... We have developed these fantastical technologies that could ease 
every ill in society, but society is not matured enough for it. We at an individual level, as these geniuses who have created it, understand the responsibility we have with this great power, but in understanding that responsibility, we also have to understand when things should be released to the greater world and when they should not. And how the this basically the like everyday common global society just isn't hasn't matured enough to the point of being able to utilize those technologies. That's I, one of the best examples is how Steve Rogers was a super soldier, but then in the attempts to recreate the super soldier thing, there were so many failures and problems, and it became an arms race of let's get super soldiers. So in a similar way. We as a world are developing technologies almost as fast as ever. Like, we got deep fakes and AI creating art, self-driving cars and all that fun stuff, and like social media, but our legislation and our societal consciousness around it and our the values we place on it and the importance that we give it is still stuck probably 15 years ago. I'd say fifteen years behind. So you're you're ba- I I like completely agree with this. Like, are, are you basically saying like our capacity for responsibility has yet to catch up with basically the significance of the technology? Yes. Uh, not okay. that we can't get there, just that yeah. because it is a almost like a widespread thing. Like, there are pockets of it. There are plenty of individuals who are responsible enough. But there are also, but there's enough people who just aren't aware, aren't up to date. It isn't common enough, where we're not as a whole responsible enough, and we're starting to get into that edgy territory of when individuals who do have that responsibility abuse the power. Uh, apparently, I heard something the other day that a lot of like Teslas are like it's contracted out in like the warranties and the contracts and purchasing and all that stuff that like you can't use external chargers to charge your Tesla. And and then if they disable, like, the supercharging thing on your car, which they can do, it also means you can't just stop at a station, like a Tesla thing or whatever, and get supercharged really quick. You have to, like, go home and let it charge overnight or whatever, which leaves people stuck, unable to get anywhere. And it's like, that's... That's not responsible behavior. That's scammy and scummy and a con yeah that's pretty fucked I have faith I have faith that it will I think it already is improving or I think it's sort of shifting in a way I kind of like talked about it before but it will definitely take time yeah like absolutely and that's one of those things that makes me worry a little bit about like apparently California wants to have only Wants to only sell electric vehicles by, like, 2035 or something. Which, like, okay, sales doesn't mean there won't still be, like, gas stations and gas cars and stuff. But, like, you got to catch some of that legislation up on how we deal with electric cars then. Because, at least with the gas-powered cars, in the old days, you couldn't stop someone from putting gas in the car. Yeah, but this is the future, RJ. We can stop people from doing whatever they want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I understand what you're saying, though. I think it's like... um, 
I think what it is is I think one of the things is that people are have it, are interacting with more people than anyone has ever interacted with before on a scale that's unprecedented and I think basically it's like terrifying on like a deep subconscious level because it's just sort of like a realization of not only your own consistent like personhood but also just the scope of humankind and kind of what that means for you and everybody else and um i think like there's a lot of attitudes that are somewhat like selfish or sort of aggressive angry and i think a lot of these things are coming potentially from this sort of realization where a lot of people are just sort of like still grappling basically with having to in some way or another indirectly or directly interact with so many people um every day um and it's just still sort of a shock to our brains that for the longest time we're like i mean how you know i think i've said it before like most people in human history only interacted with like what maybe what 200,000 people like maybe oh, if they gosh. went to you know like a festival or a big city like you know that and that would have been a shock for them but that would have been like a one once in a lifetime thing maybe unless they were living there yeah and even then like i mean right now like i'm living in a city that has like three point like three three point four million more people than our entire state has in it and uh, like walking around this town sometimes feels like it's like the internet like brought to life where it's like all this stuff like coming at you all day the whole time and like the internet is kind of almost exactly like that where you're like you see something new almost every time you get on and uh that novelty is like what's so thrilling but i think it's also like subconsciously exhausting and potentially like existentially terrifying for a lot of people and it's not a bad thing it's just getting used to that feeling but then we have to be able to manage our kind of emotions that come from it a, a little bit better instead of getting so like instead of being the person who's like well if you don't use this then i'm gonna make sure like if you don't use it like i wanted you to then i'm gonna make sure that you can't use it at all like it that's such a that's such an immature mentality, um, especially coming from people who are like supposedly giving things to the public. Like, I think if you make something for people, it's implied. It's not like, oh, you can do whatever you want with it. Like, I don't want you to hurt people with it. But it's sort of like the idea is that you're giving it to them, you know, and even if they're paying you for it, that the the there's kind of almost an implicit. Um quality of the transaction where it's like this is yours now like and i'm not gonna really i'm not doing this so that i i like control you i'm doing this because i want to give something to you um i wish we had a little bit more of that i think maybe it'll change but that's my yeah that's my soapbox speech well we did we did end up running a little bit long i apologize about that that's okay that's uh that's all right well, 
Thank you for joining, James. Thanks for having me, RJ. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Facebook is Better Buddies. We have Meme Mondays, and I I remember to post last week's icebreaker, so we're getting we're we're getting better at it. Nice. Uh, on Twitter, at Better Budcast, use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show, and at us because you know we like hearing about ourselves. And our Gmail account, betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, or questions you need advice on. And last, but not least, be a better buddy. Justice reigns supreme. Justice. I'm the darkness. I'm the the darkness. I am justice. I am the man. (laughs) Go take your photo. He's friendly. (laughs) Come on, kids. I'm here for justice. (laughs) I also do children's parties. For sure that's him right. Come pose sure with this criminal him. I beat up in the alley. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a criminal. He was in the alley, and non-criminals don't go into alleys. Only the t- twisted use alleys for nefarious purposes. I'm a car I was taking out the trash. I'm He's a definitely not a homeless man. <laughs> Please.